When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. I'm super excited to have a meditation and mindfulness coach as part of our collective. This is a practice that, especially if you're single, you should be working on, well, I mean, for the rest of your life, but it's going to help so much if you decide to get into a relationship. Amy Brown is a meditation teacher and certified mindfulness and life coach specializing in relationships. She works globally with individuals who are going through or have been through a breakup or divorce and want to navigate the process in respectful, mindful, and in a conscious way so that they can heal, move forward, on to new healthier relationships, and ultimately thrive. Her background is in psychology, communications, meditation, mindfulness, and Pilates. She has taught and coached in physical and mental wellness for over 20 years. And Amy can be found at amybrown.online or on IG at amybrownonline. Enjoy, Amy Brown. Hi, I'm Amy. And I'm Imani. And we are talking about the state of relationships today, specifically that the dating pool has piss in it. And we're going to explore why the dating pool has piss in it and then maybe what can be done about it. Um, Amani, do you want to start with how did we get here into this yeah. pissy pool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the things is we, we have to kind of like look at a lot of the different challenges that people are going through in this day and age in regards to dating. You know, we, we look back at certain things like where men were and where women were, you know, just even maybe 50, 100 years ago compared to now where we're really living in a digital age where a lot of the times things can feel very fast, very, there's a sense of urgency almost. Um, there's a fear of like missing out even too. I think a lot of the times too, there is also kind of like a, uh, it's, it's almost like a, like a immediacy. Like I can kind of like dispose of people whenever I want because we do have social media and stuff like that. Um, and I think a lot of the times what ends up happening is that what it is that we are seeing is that people aren't really connected to something that seems like bigger than themselves. And I always get like, 
talking about this a lot of the times does come with pushback because I think a lot of the times people are like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean something bigger than me? But like, whether it's some type of like spiritual practice or something that you can ground yourself on in regards to why I am the way that I am, why I want to connect with people in the way that I'm connecting with them. And what it, what, it, what is it that I'm serving that's bigger than just even this relationship so that I actually have, um, you know, like this cup that can really never really run empty in my relationships. I think a lot of, a lot of times with people not really being so connected to their purpose and then a lot of what it is we see in the digital age of people being able to like dispose of people and do whatever it is that they want. Um, I think just a lot of the times relationships aren't taken as seriously. Also, the other thing too, I will say on top of that, we now in this day and age have more resources available for like self-awareness, emotional maturity, communication, which our parents and our grandparents didn't have that information a couple of years ago. Um, so now I think it's just getting a little bit more, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? I think it's getting a little bit more tedious finding relationships because so many people are on like the self-awareness healing journey. And then there are a lot of other people who may know the language, like love bombing and codependency and trauma bonding and accountability, but then they don't, they don't live it out. So I think also this heightened awareness that we've had around healthy relationships and really unpacking our relational trauma, our attachment trauma, I think people kind of just uh, <laughs> say these things, but then they don't, they don't live it. Totally. To I totally agree. I feel like um, on the heels of that, everyone is somewhere on the spectrum of their healing journey, right? And some people are really, you know, they've, everyone is carrying a bag of something at this point in life, right? Everyone comes to the table with a bag. Um, and, you know, some people don't like the term baggage, but let's, for this, let's just call it that. Uh, and it's all of the experiences that you've accumulated, whether it's from childhood or from past experiences and relationships, or past, it, everyone's got the bag. And some people come into a relationship and they're like, here's my bag and I've started unpacking it and I you know, I know that I've got this layer and then I know that this came from here and this came from my last relationship and this came from my childhood and I'm working on this. And, and I'm sure that if I dig deeper, there's going to be more stuff there. And then there's other people on the other end of the spectrum who like don't even realize that they're carrying a bag. And so it's, it's tricky because yes, we have, as you said, so many more resources now. So, so much more, um, acceptance, so much more mainstream to be, whether you're in therapy, going through self-help, self-development, all that kind of stuff. I mean, the last, let's say, two decades, that's just absolutely become, um, it's become huge for a lot of people. And then people who have done the work, they, and speak that language, they don't necessarily want to be working on, um, connecting with somebody who has no idea what they're talking about, doesn't speak the same language, and has or is maybe looking for them to completely help them unpack their bag. Because, you know, it's one thing to go to a therapist and unpack it or go to a support group and unpack it, but it's another thing to be looking to your partner. Now, to partners in a healthy relationship, absolutely, you work through stuff. But if you want to be someone's partner, not their therapist then you want to 
feel like they've done a bit of their own work or they're seeking their own work. I like the gist of what it is that you're saying. I think it's really people are looking to be rescued rather than actually being in partnership, right? Like I'm, I'm not supposed to be getting into a relationship expecting someone to meet or heal all of my childhood wounds. So I do think that it is possible if you have had a lot of experiences in your past where maybe your needs weren't met, your boundaries weren't respected. I think a lot of healing can take place being in a safe relationship that actually encourages that. But to require people to really disown themselves and to get rid of the essence of who they are, to be in a relationship with you, that's an issue. And, you know, society has conditioned us. I say this all the time. Society has conditioned us to be in these very like codependent relationships. Like you're supposed to sacrifice all your needs to meet someone else. You're supposed to people please someone. And then that means that you love them and that you're loyal to them and, you know, all these different things. And it's, it's so unhealthy. And because we have the resources that we have now, people are starting to realize how unhealthy their parents' relationships were, their grandparents' <laughs> relationships were. And so I, I really think just because it's a different day and time that we live in, my grandma used to always say, there's nothing new under the sun, but I think it's just now it's becoming more obvious, like these issues and people are really struggling. So I love everything you said. Well, and it also, it makes it makes it a heavy relationship if you are spending a lot of time like quotes on the couch. You know, if it's like, okay, well, let's let's work through this. Okay, let's work through this. And especially in the initial phases, because we're talking about, you know, dating, initial phases, there has to be some levity. There has to be some joy, some playfulness. Um, you know, I, I did a podcast just this weekend with um, – with Sean Cardinale, who um, we were talking about uh, recovery and we were talking about when to disclose if you are uh, an addict or in recovery. And I think, you know, everyone is healing in some form. As I said, everyone comes to the table with their bag and we're talking about when is it appropriate to put your bag in the middle of the table? And um, actually shared a story of I, I uh, went on a date with someone and they had a significant bag. They had some significant baggage and, and it they weren't an addict. It wasn't recovery, but, but it was significant baggage. And in an effort to be vulnerable and to share and to con form a connection, he thought, uh, after the first date, he like sat down and was like, here's my bag. And it was a big bag. And we ended up navigating around it or, or navigating the relation, the re remainder of the relationship with the bag. But it was, um, it took any playfulness or joy or the chance to get to know someone without carrying this bag, you know? So there, there has to be, you know, I think, um, it's a delicate dating dance to be able to, when do you kind of, when do you go into this stuff? Because everyone's got the stuff. Right. But, right. but when do you kind of start to unpack it and, yeah. and how do you not make it the role of the other person to like help reparent me, help, you know, Absolutely. me sort through all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the times people, um, I notice this a lot of the times with people who maybe haven't always had a safe, a safe space to share where they'll use oversharing as a way to connect. 
rather than it being something where it's like, like, like you mentioned, like, I really want to get to know you beyond your trauma and beyond your baggage, but people, that's the thing. A lot of people define themselves by their baggage and they define themselves by their trauma. So that's why you're sitting on a date and it's like, I'm just waiting to see if I can tell you all this stuff because you're defining who it is that you are based off of what happened to you. When you're on this path of self-awareness and healing, you start to realize, oh, like, I was never any of this stuff. Like, this is the stuff that happened to me. Yes. But I am so much more bigger than that. And I think you can only really see that when you do walk down that path of self-awareness and healing and challenging yourself. So then you start to realize, like, oh, I don't have to be on a first date with someone and give them, like, this list of things that I'm struggling with. And then, like, oh, like, do you want to get in a relationship with me now? It's like, no. (laughs) I mean, like we're being, we're, if we're being completely honest. Um, so I really think like we, we have to also see like, what are the places that I'm trying to connect from? Like, am I trying to connect from a very wounded place, from a place that has a lot of unfinished business? Um, and I think, you know, kind of like you mentioned, it, it eventually gets down the line where you start to be a little bit more vulnerable. You start to trust people and share things with them. Mm-hmm. But people don't automatically get that type of access to you. That's something that has to be built over time through a level of intimacy and trust that is built. But if you don't know who you are outside of your trauma, that's where the issue starts. Yes. Yeah. And then I think also, you know, a lot of people, one more time that everyone has their bag, a lot of people feel so, as you said, so so connected or they identify so much with their trauma that they feel that it's it's a massive, massive thing. And because everybody has something, it I find clients are often hesitant, shy to say, well, I, I can't I can't start dating because, you know, I have anxiety. And if I bring that up, if I tell them that I have anxiety, they're just gonna run. And because, and so they're hesitant to put in any time or energy or effort to even try and see. And oftentimes, because everyone has their own stuff, if if they actually do go and present, you know, after they've connected with someone and it's been playful, and some, hey, you know what, I've got, I've got some anxiety. And it's not even a blip on the other person's radar. They're like, okay, sure, great, whatever. Like, every, fantastic. I can, now you're human. Now I get it. You're human. Okay. Yeah. Lovely. And I can hold your hand through that. Let's bond, let's bond over this. You know, like it, I've seen so many times where this thing that they're holding to them, it's a massive block to their potential partner. They're like, well, there's a billion other things about you. I'm not just going to focus on that. And if you have anxiety, like, let's deal with that. Fantastic. Like, let's hold it, hold our hands together. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago with identifying so much with what mm-hmm. happened to them and, you know, like really using that as a defining factor when I meet someone. But one of the things that I tell my clients all the time, too, who struggle with like relationship anxiety and really showing people, I guess, uh, the stuff that we don't post on Instagram. That's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> like like, like show, showing people like those aspects when we withhold that information from people, we rob them of their agency, which is not something that's healthy to do because people need to know yes. what it is that they're getting into. Yes. They need to assess for themselves if they have the capacity to 
be in a relationship with you and you're struggling with depression, depression and anxiety and all these different things. And granted, you can be in a relationship with someone, they can seem perfectly fine, something happens to them in their life while they're in a relationship with them. And now they have something that they're struggling with. But I think it really has a lot to do with we have to let people choose if they want to be in our life or not. And that is so scary for so many people because it triggers their rejection wound and it triggers their abandonment wound to give people that choice of, hey, this is who it is that I am. You either take it or you, you kind of just like, <laughs> like leave it. I think we don't even want to give people that choice because it already resonates within us so deeply that we're unworthy, we're unlovable. You know, a lot of the core wounding stuff that we that we see with our clients a lot of the times. Absolutely. I, I love that you said that, that it, that it robs people of their agency. It, it goes back to the dating apps and the whole, the format of them, that everything there is so highly curated. And as you know, it's just like you said, it's the stuff we don't put on Instagram. And I'm not saying that you have to like, you know, straight off the, that your profile picture should be like you first thing in the morning or whatever. Like, you, okay, I understand you want to try to, we all want to try to present, right? Um, I think Chris Rock said on a first date, you send your representative. And like, yeah, agree. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, sure. But you also don't want to be false advertising because that's not sustainable. You know, if everything is filtered and everything is, you're only putting the very, very highlights, it's, you're not going to be able to maintain that. And ultimately there's going to be no depth to the relationship. So, um, I think it's, it's a fine balance between putting your best foot forward, but then also being authentically you as much as is capable, as you said, you, someone has to earn the trust and, you know, there's not that you don't want to be oversharing right from the beginning. But, um, I think that it's a fine balance and especially in the framework of these dating apps, they don't really allow for much authenticity. No, no. It's like, it's like share your, your three best qualities. And then, um, a lot of share what your preferences are so they can kind of like filter out people who aren't your type. And, and this is the issue a lot of the times, even what I have with that, because a lot of the times our type, what it is that we gravitate towards usually is from a very wounded place. So now you have this dating app that's telling you, hey, these are all the people that are going to be like compatible with you based off of your answers and what it is that you're saying that you want. But then the very thing that you want could be the very thing that's actually not getting you the relationship that you need. Exactly. And the dating apps are so are so focused on superficial. Um, you know, it's like a tiny little curated snapshot, which we have to remember that dating apps are a business, right? And if you find love, then they lose you as a customer. So whether you're using the paid version, so you're you're trading in money, or you're just using the free versions, but you're trading in your data, right? Like so, and that's extremely valuable as as well. So the you know, I, th I think people think, well, this is how I'm going to find love, but the bottom line is it's a business, and they're beholden to their stockholders, and they need to make revenue year after year. So. The more time you can spend on the dating app, the more eyeballs, the more potential revenue they make from you. So your goal of finding love and their goal of keeping you on the dating app are 
direct in direct competition. So I'm not saying that they, you know, set out to be bad and not helpful and whatever. And this is this is what we have in this day and age. This is what we're limited to. But it does lead to the perception of piss being in the dating pool because it's not uh, their their number one goal is in direct competition with your number one goal. And I think that leads to, you know, to to a lot of people getting really frustrated, getting really disappointed. As well, there's brilliant, brilliant minds and billions of dollars being spent and dedicated towards trying to make these, uh, the gamification of dating, right? To try to, to keep you addicted to the swiping, you know, this swipe right. culture of like, um, you you said at the very beginning, fear of missing out. Like, if I just swipe one more time, I might find the love of my life. That's right. the mentality that's going through for, for a lot of people. And um, that does make actual relationships seem disposable because Absolutely. there'll always be another you know, if you just expand your filters or expand your um, parameters, there'll always be more options out there. And why would I stick and make this, you know, do the hard work of making this particular relationship work when I could just go back on that little box and just swipe again and there'll probably be a new fresh face. And as humans, we like the novelty, right? New shiny thing. So it's, um, it's, there's, there's, Billions of dollars and brilliant brains working to keep you addicted and keep you on the apps. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think the dating apps. I'm very. I'm. I'm pro meeting people in real life. Yeah. Um. And I've, I've seen. I've heard of some beautiful love stories of people who have met over different um, dating apps. But I think we have to also look at what was the heart posture for both of those people at the time when they were seeking relationships. Like you can have someone on the app that's really looking for a pretty serious relationship and then someone on the app that will tell you like, Oh yeah, I'm just trying to make friends. And it's like, okay, <laughs> you know? So I, I think it just kind of like, like these apps and stuff like that, because it's so curated, like you said, to like meet a certain standard, a certain quota to keep you on the app. It takes away from you creating your own experiences really around your dating relationships, dating apps. I think what it does is it, makes you kind of like go back to whatever like imaginary list that you have in your head of like what a person should be doing that's going to check off all of your boxes. And I think personally for me, that's just a very selfish way of connecting when we're looking at, when we're meeting someone and like, okay, let me make sure they check off this, 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 that, and the third, like we're not looking at the person. And, and I think even when we talk about certain things like red flags and stuff like that, I always see like red flags are really up to you, like whatever those red flags are. I know for me, che cheating is a deal breaker for me. For some people, cheating is not a deal breaker for them. So it really has to go back to like whatever your capacity is in regards to meeting people where it is that they are, what the, the things that you tolerate, the things that you don't tolerate. There's no one outside of you that can tell you what that is. Like you really have to do that by going through these experiences of dating, whether it's on a, on an app or not. Um, and I just think when we have that imaginary checklist in our minds, it just kind of sets us up for failure. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And, you know, going back to the, the, what can we do about this dating pool that has piss in it? Um, 
I do think that broadening your scope of what it is that you are, not what it is that you are looking for, but but the working with what we have, let's say it's the dating apps, um, and and instead of having your checklist be like, well, I like blondes or like he has great abs or whatever, which really has no bearing on long-term relationship health or longevity, focus on stuff like kindness, respect, someone who communicates effectively, you know, things that, um, yes, physical attractiveness, sure, that's great. But in terms of the markers for long-term health and success of a relationship, if that's what you want, or you want to keep coming back to the pissy dating pool, um, then, you, you know, you we need to focus on things that actually, that are actually going to bring us that long-term relationship success. Um, so I think, sort of broadening the criteria for what you are quote unquote looking for. And then to your point about being coming from a heart-centered place, what energy are you putting out? You know, are you are you putting out this energy of like, oh, I'm so bored. I'm just gonna keep swiping. I'm just gonna or the, you know, the other person on the other, like there's no other person, not even humanizing the person on the other side of it. So I'm just gonna ghost them. I'm just gonna whatever. I don't you know, are you putting that energy out or are you actually putting out the energy of what can I offer someone else? This is me. I'm going to be authentically me. Um, you know, are you putting out the, if, if you're saying you're looking for, they say you try to, you know, you want to be the person you want to date. And it doesn't mean like you actually want to date yourself, but if you're looking for somebody who's confidence, confident, are you embodying confidence? If you're looking for somebody who has a good job, are you passionate about your work? Are you, are you coming at it from like a, an energy of hope or an energy of desperation? Because it's exactly. a fine line between those two. And, and you can feel it. Like if you close your eyes right now and you feel you're hopeful about something, you can feel that energy. But like then just slide that into neediness and desperate and it's a very, very fine line. Your date can sense that. Like that's not that's not the right energy to be to be moving into a new relationship with. Right. So right. Absolutely not. And you know, I think that also segues into just people's expectations around gender too. Like a lot of what it is that we see in this day and age are a lot of these gender wars. Like men are doing this and this is why dating isn't working and women are doing this. And so this is why dating isn't working. And I think also once again, like trying to conform to some type of like gender role or whatever the case may be, and then trying to like point your finger at the other side, like, well, you're doing all of this and you're doing this until we get to a point where we see it's the people that we're picking they're people like like outside of them being a man or a woman human being right like that that's what we need to start seeing it's, it's a human being and so we can point the blame and point the finger at each other all day long but it's not going to actually propel us forward into getting what it is that we want and so like I have to look at people outside of whatever my limiting beliefs because that's a lot of what you were talking about like a lot of what my limiting beliefs say about relationships. And so this is why it, it always goes back to the beginning. Like what have relationships taught you about yourself? What have your relationships taught you about the way you connect with others? What has your relationship taught you about the way that you see the world? Like it's so important. And I think we just kind of like skip over that stuff. And it's like, oh, well, this guy is cute. This girl is cute. Let me just, you know, hook up with them. 
Um, and it just leads to so much heartache, heartbreak, um, because it's just that we're, I, I don't, I don't think that we have the tools to really look at people outside of whatever our mind is telling us that a man should do, whatever our mind is telling us that a woman should do. And that also creates a lot of confusion as well. I completely agree. And when I was reflecting on, um, that we were going to be doing this episode, I was thinking about like, again, what were the, what are the things that have maybe led us into this dating pool with piss in it? And so further to what you were saying, we we're now, I think two decades, almost two decades into reality television and shows like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And there's a show on right now. And I'm not like trying to pick on any shows. I don't generally watch this stuff, but there was one called The Perfect Match where you are, you're going to get me started. You literally have to (laughs) sleep in the room. Okay. Like, are you having sex or whatever, but you sleep in the room with someone every night uh, in order to not be kicked out of the house. And there are, so you basically have to just grab someone, like it's like musical chairs, but with beds. And you, if you don't match up with someone to, you get, you get booted off the show. So people's literally survival on the show is based on if I'm chosen, if you're chosen and, and, and sleeping with someone and like, again, are they having sex? Are they just kissing? Are they, whatever? I don't, I don't care. Intimacy, you're lying next to another human for however many hours. And, and there's, you know, yeah. So it's basically, and they just keep rotating. So back to what we were saying at the beginning in terms of the disposableness of relationships, we're now whatever. I think, I mean, I I don't remember when the, the bachelor or bachelorette started, but I think we're like almost two decades in that show is literally the premise is like a whole bunch of the opposite sex comes and you get to just pick them off. You just pick whichever one you want and boot the other ones off. Like it is. So if, if we're surprised that we now have a dating pool with piss in it, it's because of the example of this is what we've been consuming for the last two decades. Right. Right. Yeah. People used to like, send flowers. Now you send like a flower emoji or a heart emoji. And people or you are like, just slide in someone's DMs. Or you slide in someone's DMs. It's or literally, like their picture and it's expect literally them to respond. Zero right. effort. Like zero effort, <laughs> right? Like click. Oh my God, he loves me. Click. Like that's all he did. He clicked his thumb. What? Yeah. 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 I saw somebody made a post the other day talking about people try to connect just like through watching your stories. And so like, once again, we're doing a lot of what we used to do in childhood where we take like these little hints and then we try to put some type of like explanation on it. Like, oh, this person liked my picture. This is the second time they liked my picture today. This person was the first one to watch my story. So because they were the first one, they're checking for me. Rather than actual clear, (laughs) like like, like (laughs) clear, direct, like I'm interested in you. I want to get to know you. Let's go out for a movie or dinner, whatever, sometime around. It's like now these like very subtle ways that people try to connect. But then it's, I mean, I don't, I I think a lot of the times I always just say like this stuff just really goes back into attachment wounding for me, attachment trauma. Like every time I talk about this stuff, I always go right back to square one. Um, And what you were saying about the show too, The Perfect Match, I actually watched all of it. And that show was so frustrating to watch. (laughs) 
because I think it I think it just plays on people's rejection wound. Like there were some girls on the show who weren't even in the, they were only in the house for 24 hours. It's like you didn't get picked, so you got to you got to go. And so I don't I don't think that's a healthy way of connecting and then also at the same time let's be real. Like what you were talking about about the premises of the show, picking someone and laying in bed with them. Is that the most healthiest way to get to know someone? Lust is a thing. Like we can't, we can't deny that. So what happens is it kind of sets you up to really put lust and, you know, the kissing and the sex, do whatever it is you want to do. But it puts that stuff at front and center rather like, rather than really saying like, do I even like this person? Not do I like, do I like their abs? Do I like their hair? Do I like the way they kiss me and the way that they have sex with me? But do I like this person? It is, the show is extremely frustrating. I have not finished it. I don't know if I can, but, <laughs> but yes, it basically is saying either you get, you know, to your point about, um, about core wounds, if you, you will either get booted out, you will have no home, like air quotes, or you have to sleep with someone. Basically, um, and and even the language that they use is very. Um, and I'm not again. I'm not just picking on this show because I know that there's tons of them, but this is just an example that's fresh in my mind. Um, even the language that they use that you know, someone comes in, they've met someone for twelve hours or whatever, and they're like, "I have these deep feelings and and love and and really like." I mean. Even just having people absorb that on us, even if it's subconscious, is so misleading in terms of what they sh could be, should be expecting from a relationship or looking for to invest in a relationship. Right, right. And, you know, we know that we're in that scenario, they're completely ignoring biology. Um, you know, even in, even in dating, we feel that honeymoon phase and a lot of people ignore ignore that biology for the first year year ish right a little bit more maybe uh we are literally bathed in love drugs we're literally bathed in hormones that are making us crave the other person and potentially overlook things that maybe you know, quote, red flags or, or whatever. Um, and, and then people kind of at a year think, well, what, what happened? Why did you change? What, you know, what's going on? And really it's just that they, all of a sudden the, the love drugs are wearing off and things are starting to, you know, our arguments are starting to occur and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I, that, I agree. That show is is and yeah. that whole genre of because I I don't want to just pick on that one show. I think there's many men. Well, they there are many many of those ones. The, the like, yeah, yeah. And a lot of the times, the relationships on like the reality TV shows don't really end up working out anyway. Like not all of them, but the majority of them usually don't. Um, and that's just from what I've looked at in regards to like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Love Is Blind, like all these different relationships. Mm -hmm. I think I only have like one or two couples that come off the top of my head that are still together till this day. 
But then also, once again, there's so many nuances to this. You don't really know what's going on behind closed doors no. and stuff like that. So even just seeing them together, you don't really know if that is going to show you the health of the relationship. But I did want to put this example out. Um, I know you started watching the show. So do you mind if I put this example about this one couple? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Okay. So there's this one couple, Joey and Carousel mm -hmm. on the show. And Joey and Carousel actually were kind of like on and off in their relationship before the show even started. They right. get on the show and they're like, oh, wow, like we're here. Like, yeah, let's kind of try to see like where things could go. So they kind of start forming a more deep, I guess, deep relationship <laughs> on the show. They make out the all the time. They just make out all the right, time. It's right, right. They, they're like on top of each other all the time. And one of the things that I was, wa I was, I was noticing as I was watching it, I was like, wow, she was having so much issues around him committing to her mm -hmm. before they even got on the show. Now we get on the show, not to say that this is the reason that they were together, but we have to acknowledge that this is a thing. There's money at the end of this that you get. And I think mm -hmm. you also get like a, like a trip too. And so he decides, he asks her to be his girlfriend. Yeah. Then towards the end, he had also proposed to her and then asked her to marry him and stuff like that. And it just was so shocking to me because I'm like, how was it so, it was so hard for you to commit to her outside of the show. Now you're in the show, there's prize money at the end, but mm -hmm. then also too, there is an illusion being drawn up that like life is going to be like this. Yes. Like it'll just be me and you together doing these challenges and yep. stuff like that. Things are always going to feel good. Um, but I, I was like, I wonder what's going to happen in their relationship when they go back out into the real world and they have real challenges. And what I actually read is that they didn't end up getting married and they broke up. Yeah. And that's not a shocking conclusion, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, Just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> also I've now I'm not towards the end, but it um, there's no food in this show. I never see never seen anyone eat. There's just tons and tons of alcohol. There's just they're just always drinking. I just realized that's always like, drinking. There's no, there's food. no food scenes. I'm like, how do they do? When does the craft services come? I don't understand. <laughs> like, can we see a chip? Can we see something? Something. <laughs> like, it, no, it's just it's just alcohol. Always just yeah. alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So I. I love this conversation and I feel like we could probably go on for days and days. Um, yeah. And we, I think a key part of finding a piss-free dating pool is actually going to be the next podcast that we do, which is a, on the importance of self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is an ongoing conversation. So, you know, if anyone who's listening uh, has any suggestions or thoughts, wants to reach out to us. Um, our contact information is going to be in the show notes. You can also find us on Instagram, um, Amani.intouch and yes. amybrown.online. And we really appreciate everyone joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, Please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you could just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get 
tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, Zoom links to private gathers. So if you want to join our community, go to singleonpurpose.life. Thank you for listening. Be well. We hope you tell a friend. Hey, before you go, I want to invite you to the Single on Purpose private community online. It's off of social media. No ads, no algorithms. We got forums. We got live groups. We got webinars. And we have social hangs. We also have offline in-person hangs happening soon. So check us out. Go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. And I will see you inside.